not a, a handout. Uh, turn to Romans 12. Um, before we dive into this, I want to tell you this is the last of the weeks I'll be doing this particular series. Um, I've been doing it for long enough, 21 weeks of this, and I think I'm about done. Uh, and so I hope, I hope it's been an encouragement and help to you as we just kind of pick some favorite passages and walk through them. And I call them counseling passages, but really they're just spiritual growth passages that help us. Uh, I'll be doing next a, um, we, we read a book uh, as deacons several years ago and as deacons and pastoral staff, and um, I've used it over and over again. It's called The Peacemaker. It's by Ken Sandy. And I was going through it recently. I actually found these at Ollie's. So I have one, two, I bought a bunch. One, two, three, four, five. I have five copies, and they're four bucks. So if you don't have a copy, and they, I don't think they still have them anymore, Ollie's, but I bought them with the church uh, money. So if you want to buy one of these, I, if you do five bucks, that'll cover the tax and everything, and just drop it in the offering plate. Um, these, are, these could be yours. These could be yours today um, if you want to read along. Uh, so we'll be going and talking through. I don't do this super often, but it's a, what's that? Can you toss it? No, I'm not going to toss it to anybody. <laughs> no, I've learned my lesson. This is being streamed. So anyway, thank you, my wife. If you would like a copy of this, if you don't have a copy of this, I have five copies. I'd be happy to sell, give away. What, not really giving away, but we're selling them uh, just to help recoup the cost. But five bucks, that's a, that's a steal. You can't get it. I think on, don't, just don't sell them on Amazon. I think they're like 15 bucks on Amazon or more. Um, so I, I had to jump on that, and I probably should have bought 10 more. But they might still be there um, if you want. But anyway, uh, that's what we'll be starting Ten fi- so you're saving $5.50. Um, <clears throat> okay. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Plus the shipping and the weight and everything like that. Um, all right. Uh, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse uh, 14. I, I, we're doing um, uh, this passage, this passage in particular, has to do with the idea of how to deal with people who don't have your best interest in mind. In other words, how to deal with enemies. A lot of us don't think we have enemies, but uh, there always are people who irritate us or who make us wonder if they are not, they don't have our destruction in in their heart. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes they're family members. Sometimes they are in-laws. Sometimes they're neighbors. Uh, People do things that irritate you or that make you want to strangle them, right? There is the, the response. If you, if you can think when I say that, there's in your heart somebody like that. Maybe you're like, it's my husband, <laughs> you know, or something like that. It can be. It can be. You have got to think about how does God tell us to treat people who don't have our best interests in mind or who we don't think have our best interests in mind. And we have a couple passages that deal with this at length. One is, a, one is Matthew 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as he talks about that. You've, said, you've heard it was said, hate your enemies, love your neighbor. But I say to you, love the love those who hate you and all that. We're not going to talk about that passage, but it is, it is there. Luke 6 is, a, is the, also a sermon where Jesus deals with the same idea, same topic. We're going to deal with this out of Romans, and you could go to either of those passages just fine, but we're going to deal with this particular passage um, because I don't have enough time to do all three, and I think this will suffice. And this is where I often go if I'm ha- having to talk to someone who is struggling with their relationship with someone else specifically in this issue of there's someone who it feels like they have uh, bad, bad um, uh, in, 
goals towards them, okay? So let's look at this passage together. I'm going to read the whole thing starting in verse 14 all the way through 21, and then we'll walk through it little by little, okay? Scripture says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, the immediate context of this verse, of these verses, has to do with, um, uh, we've talked about this, actually, I just preached not too long ago on this passage uh, on a Sunday night, we studied this, but this passage deals with, in Romans chapter 12, the, the implications of the doctrine of salvation, how we are to live out salvation with each other and in the church. And he begins chapter 12 and verse 1 telling us that we should not be conformed to the world. So the idea of being conformed, um, being conformed is the idea of being, being pressed into a mold, being, being, being pressed into a mold. You're not to be conformed to the world. Uh, the world here is, is the word cosmos, or the idea of, of the world system, the world way of thinking, the age in which we live. Okay, do not be conformed to the world's way of thinking, but be transformed. And this word for transformed is, is metamorphe, which has the idea of, of changing, changing form. We use this in English, uh, metamorphosis comes from this, this root right here, okay, to change in form. We are to be not conformed, but transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. And then as he gets through this, he, he tells us all the different ways in which people are, are we, need to re, we need to change our thinking. There are ways in we need to change our thinking, specifically in how we deal with other people. And this passage digs into that deeply. What's the first thing he says? The first thing, verse 14, is bless the ones who curse you. Bless the ones who curse you. Um, this is not easy to do. Uh, we're talking about people who hate you, people who curse you. If people curse you, uh, or persecute you, I should say, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not uh, bless and do not curse. I should say persecute. I'm so sorry. Bless those who persecute you. The idea of persecuting is, the, is this idea of, of putting pressure on someone or to, to, uh, to hurt them. It's in, and in fact, he says, instead of cursing them, bless them. You're, you'll be really tempted to curse these people. He says, don't do that. You need to bless them. Um, who, who might this be in your life, the person persecuting you? Sometimes it's somebody at work. Um, it's not always an enemy, another country or something like that. Sometimes it's just someone close to you, someone part of your family. They are persecuting you. They're making your life miserable. Bless them. Bless the ones who persecute you. Also, uh, the next one, avoid jealousy and anger. Avoid jealousy and anger or strife. I want you to notice this, this, uh, what he says here in verse 15. Um, he says... Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, what problem is he addressing when he says that? 
What's the change of thinking we have? What's the transformed thinking we have to engage if we're going to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep? Empathy, what's esteeming others? Okay, yeah, we're getting that in a second. But empathy, yeah. So, what are you tempted to do when someone? um, Let's take the first part. Rejoice. Yes, as I said, envy, jealousy. Someone is rejoicing. What's your temptation? Okay, so think about it. You are struggling financially, right? You're struggling financially. You're just, you're just making things work. And you have a friend who's also kind of on the same level as you. And then he gets news that his uncle that he hasn't met before died and left him $13 million. How, what are you going to think? Now, a lot of people would think, man, why can't I have a rich uncle to die and give me $13 million? Boy, that's nice. Why can't that kind of stuff ever happen to me? Okay, what, is that? what, what do you call that? Jealousy. jealousy, envious, being jealous of someone else, being envious of someone else's. Uh, you're not, are you rejoicing with that person? Who, is he rejoicing? Absolutely. Are you rejoicing with him? No. You're angry it didn't happen to you, you see? Okay, now what about the other side? Weep with those who weep. What's that? Get over it. Get over it. Okay, yeah, you can be insensitive. You can be uh, harsh. You can even um, kind of have that joy of other people suffering. Um, spite. Um, I think this is more than just reading the room. I think this is about being others-focused. I think there is a danger that we have of rejoicing when our enemies fail. We sometimes like it when other people don't do well. We hate to admit it, but it's true. We sometimes like it when people fail. Uh, for example... This morning, this morning, Pastor Drew walked into the office, and, and I, I had just been studying this passage. And I don't know if you know this, but Pastor Drew has been on a year-long Phillies baseball kick. And he has watched so many Phillies baseball games, and he's been, he was so happy when the Phillies beat the Braves. Um, you know, he was, he, was, he was telling me, you know, he was just, he was just sure they were going to go to the World Series. And, um, and, and he, he actually was a little bit late coming into the office this morning, and I was thinking, oh, that's probably because he stayed up late watching the baseball game. But it wasn't. It's because one of his kids was throwing up. So. <laughs> but uh, but I, 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 he walked in, and I empathized with him. I said, oh, that's just terrible. I'm so sorry. You know. On the other hand, our other staff member <laughs> um, came in and said, I, I got to do something for Drew, and so he made him a sympathy card out of copy paper and crayons, that quote of the book of Habakkuk. I said, you know, though the, the fig tree may fail and this, whatever. And, uh, but I told him, I told him afterwards, I said, I honestly was, was thinking about this verse. Not, I know it's silly. I'm doing this as a silly example. But, but, but weep with those who weep has the idea that when someone's having a hard time, when someone's going through hardship, when someone has faced a difficulty, that you enter into that difficulty with them. And you come alongside them, and you empathize with them, and you feel what they're feeling. And that sounds easy, but it's not as always as easy, especially if you don't really care, or especially if you actually would have preferred it be that way. Don't you think it's your own selfishness that if you don't understand why somebody's upset about something because you wouldn't be upset about it? Yeah. It's your own selfishness. Oh, absolutely. 100%. You're, you're, you're self- Most people are selfish. Most people just walk through life selfish. 
And we have got to be transformed in our thinking and be thinking about how other people are, are struggling. And that's kind of what I'm saying here is that it's not just, I've heard this, I guess I just always thought about it, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. It's kind of reading the room as like, if, if you're going into a room and everybody's in a good mood, like don't be a downer. Like don't walk in and be like, oh, it's so sad. You know, don't, don't, don't like kill the mood is basically the idea. Or if everybody's at a funeral, don't walk in and be all, you know, happy and whatever. You know, it's just not, that's how I always assume. That's not really the point. The point, I mean, that's just part of it. The point is to be others focused in even entering into their joy, entering into their sorrow, being close to, being willing to do that. And that's not always easy for everybody. So, so when someone's going through a hard time, don't, don't rain on, you know, don't, uh, be a bad person. Be, be someone who avoids jealousy, avoiding anger by rejoicing with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Look at verse 16. He says, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. We've covered some of this ground last week. There's a lot of familiar language to Philippians chapter 2. We are here to have the same mind. We're to be unified. But Paul adds a couple important details here that help us to live this way. Notice he says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Okay, there's a real temptation for people to be high-minded, and that means to have really fine taste, to be a snob about certain things, or to distance yourself from the simple pleasures by having esoteric interests that distinguish yourself from other people. So, for example, I have a problem. I'm a coffee snob. My coffee particularities are, make it hard for me to enjoy instant coffee. I really have a hard time with that. Um, and yet, if I were to go visit someone and they were to offer me instant coffee, it would be horrible for me to turn it down or say, oh, this is disgusting or whatever. I would, re- I would not consider myself high-minded. And that's a, str- that, that's a problem. I, I admit openly, I've, I've got to do better at that. I've got to be better. It's terrible to be, a, you should not be a snob about anything. It's wrong to do that. It's wrong to be too high-minded to associate with humble people, which is why everyone ought to have at least one stint in nursery and one stint in children's church, because you know who doesn't care about that stuff? Those kids. You need to love them with everything you got, and that's all they care about is if you love them or not. So you need to associate with the humble, associate with the lowly, associate with people. Don't be so high-minded that you can't, you can't do common things. Does that make sense? And we, we today can become very much like that, and, and that causes division, or we're like, well, I only eat certain food, or I only drink certain things, or I only do this, or only do that. You've got to cut that out. That does not encourage unity of the church. That encourages division. So as, as people, we ought to be uh, careful in our high-mindedness. And I'm pointing to myself here too. Uh, secondly, he says, not to be wise in your own opinions. So this is live with humility, I guess I should have said. Sorry. Live with humility. You blanks people. Um, live with humility. <laughs> set, your sight, set your mind on high things means to be high-minded, to, to have a... To have, um, uh, be snobby about your taste. Be snob. Uh, be wise in your own opinions. Uh, he says, don't be wise in your own opinions. Uh, that means to have, a, uh, to, be, to have an unreasonably high opinion about your own uh, thoughts. You, you think that you're pretty smart. I have a few 
A few verses I need some people to look up. I have four verses. Who can look these up? Galatians 5.23. Who's got the first one? Yes, ma'am. Sherry. Uh, Galatians 6.1. Jenna. Isaiah 5. Okay. Isaiah 5.21. Tony. And then uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Charles. Um, let's start with Galatians 5. The word we're going to look for is the word meekness, which is the opposite of being high-minded or the opposite of being, um, exact, what's the word I'm looking for here? One second. Um, wise in your own opinion. So, wise in your own opinion uh, is the opposite of meekness. Meekness is saying, I, I don't have a very high view of my own. I'm not enamored with myself. Okay, I don't stare in the mirror and think, oh, that's a good-looking person. Or I don't, I don't walk around thinking, I'm so smart. I've talked to people, you know, have you ever heard somebody who's like in love with their voice? Right? They just keep talking and talking. And it's like they, they, are, they, they, they enjoy hearing themselves talk. That is being wise in your own opinion. Meekness is the opposite of that. Let's hear what the Bible has to say about meekness. Galatians 5.23 fruit of the Spirit. And the word gentleness there is the word meekness. Okay, prautes is the Greek word. It's the same word, gentleness or meekness. Great. Galatians 6.1. Okay, so when someone is overtaken in a fault and you go to restore them, you need to have the spirit of meekness or gentleness. Why? So you don't get caught up in the same thing. So if you're wise and you're, if you, if, think about it. If, if, if I have to help somebody with a sin issue and you think, well, <laughs> I'd never do that. That's dumb, right? Or can you believe what so-and-so did? If that's your thinking, I'm pretty wise in my own opinion, you better watch out. You're getting ready to fall in the same way. And so he says, if you go, you should go restore him, but with a spirit of meekness, with a spirit of gentleness, lest you also are tempted in that same way. Okay, the next one, uh, Isaiah 5, 21. Woe to those who consider themselves wise and judge themselves Okay, uh, part of the woes here out of Isaiah, God, uh, uh, prophet speaking through the, for the Lord says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, who consider themselves wise. Uh, and what's the second part of that verse? They judge, they judge themselves to be clever. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was, um, it's reminding me of a quote. There was a, there was a preacher who once said, a, pa- a preacher cannot at the same time consider himself to be clever and consider God having the power, consider, um, and at the same time say God has, this, has the power to save. You can't, you can't be enamored with your own cleverness at the same time promote the power of God to save. It's just, it doesn't work together. We promote Christ, and we can't be wise in our own opinion. They're opposites. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart, be humble, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths or make your paths straight. So live with humility. This is another way. This is, remember, living with people or how to, how to deal with people who are at odds with you. Live with humility, avoid jealousy and anger, and bless those who persecute you. And live at peace with your enemies. Let's look at these verses, verse 17. He says, uh, repay no one evil for evil. 
have regard for good things in the sight of all men. The first point I have here simply is do not retaliate. Do not retaliate. When evil is done to you, do not pay it back. Do not get even. It's not your job. Yes, that's the same as revenge. Do not take revenge on people. It's not your job. Does this mean that you cannot take someone to the police if they do something bad? It does not mean that. Why? Okay. I'm sorry? Yeah, it does not mean you can't defend yourself. No. What, is it, what does it mean? It, it says do not repay evil for evil. Or do, it means that if someone does evil for you, to you, you cannot, you cannot retaliate. Retaliating is, not, is taking it on yourself to exact justice on someone. Okay? So that is the idea of if someone, if someone, um, um, bro- vigilantism. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. So someone, someone breaks into your house, they get released from jail, and you go to their house and beat up their 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 family or something. That's terrible. You should never, you should never take out that kind of personal vendetta, right? Never repay evil for evil. We say this, and we're like, I'd never do that. But in some cultures, that's what they do. Right? There's this uh, back and forth, that never, a cycle of violence that people engage in of, of paying back evil for evil. This is, when you submit to authorities, when you turn something over to the police, that is not uh, retaliation. That is submitting it to God's form of justice because God ordained government in order to take care of these things. Just, just to be clear, that I'm not saying that, that if your evil is done to you, you can't seek justice, only that you should not do evil to them back. Correct, and he'll, he'll talk about this in a second. Don't t- he's, uh, Matt said, don't take the place that's not ours. He says that in a second as we get to the next one, which is be at peace, verse 18 and 19. Be at peace. I love these verses uh, because it, men- it says a couple things to us. One, he says, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men or with all people. So you're supposed to live at peace with all people if possible. Live at peace if possible. That, that means that it might what? Might not be. It might not be possible. There are some people who you can't live at peace with because it takes two for peace. So that's why he says, if possible, as much as what? As much as depends on you. You don't be the reason that there's not peace in a relationship. If, if, like I said, it only takes one person to blow up a, a relationship. It takes one person to blow it up. It takes two to make a relationship work. It takes one to blow it up. Okay? And, and as much as it depends on you, if it's possible, you live at peace with everybody. That means you don't be the person. Don't be that guy. Don't be that person who is causing trouble all the time. And then he says, do not avenge yourselves. And here we come back to this idea of evil for evil. Do not avenge yourself. Um, if you read the verse, he says, Beloved believers, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Give a place for God's wrath to work out. See, if you take vengeance, you subvert God's justice. 
You, if you take vengeance, you are taking the place where God's justice would come in and deal with the issue. He says, so give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, actually we haven't gotten to that verse yet. Let me finish this out. Do not avenge yourselves. Do not seek for vengeance. Give place to God's wrath. God's wrath may be divinely brought. God's wrath may be brought through His instruments like human government. We should not be pursuing our own wrath, our own vengeance against those who have wronged us. The Lord is the one who exacts our vengeance, and we need to remember that. God is the one who deals with justice uh, for us through His means. It's not up to you to make sure they pay the price they deserve. Um, you believe they deserve. And the last one, verse 20 and 21, I have just, uh, be kind. He says, so far, this has been like the restraining part of when people are bad to you. Like, don't exact vengeance. If it's possible, live at peace. Like, be nice. Don't, don't be angry to them. And now he takes a turn. And look at these last couple of verses. He says, therefore, if your, enemy, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. Okay, that's another whole level. That's not saying if your enemy, if your enemy uh, uh, is, is, is mean, don't be mean back. It's saying if your enemy is hungry, you need to go through the process of giving to him food. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so do, doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. We are to not just be um, at peace with other people and let God deal with them. We are to actively be kind to people who hate us. Just let that sink in for a second. That God's telling us back in verse 14 that we're just not to curse people who persecute us. We are to actively bless them. He's not saying just don't, don't, talk, don't curse them. He says, no, bless them. Give them food. Give them drink. Uh, in fact, uh, he quotes Proverbs 25. That's what this is a quote of. But I was looking at some, I was researching this out, and I found a passage in Exodus 23 that says, if you meet your, is Exodus 23, 4 and 5. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. Like if you see an animal of your enemy, don't be like, ah, oh, serves him right. You are to help him. And, and, and so he says in his final command, this is so fascinating, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil. So what happens with evil is when evil's done to us, it has the, the possibility of overcoming us of surrounding us and making us very angry people. There's a saying in, in, in counseling uh, kind of ministries where we say, hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that before? That people who have been hurt tend to lash out and hurt people because they have internalized evil. They've allowed evil to overcome them. They have been hurt, and now they hurt other people because they were hurt. It doesn't excuse it. It just explains it, right? That people, people who often are overcome with evil then Use evil against other people. God says you cannot allow evil to overcome you. Evil will come around you. Evil will be against you. People will do all kinds of bad things against you. But you cannot allow evil to then become what you do back. So let's take this back to where I began this. When the people close to you are persecuting you and doing evil to you, how should you respond? With kindness. What if it's your spouse? and they will not stop nagging you.
Oh, you've memorized that verse, right? <laughs> yeah, the Bible says, like, wives, uh, submit, you know, submit to your husband. You'll win them with your quiet and gentle, gentle ways. This idea of loving someone, um, uh, one of the uh, people I listened to uh, talk on this one time says, that the human heart is not designed to constantly resist love. And uh, the idea is, is that if you are harsh, it's very easy to be defensive. But the more love you show, it's very difficult to continue to be harsh to someone who's showing you love. I think that's true. Um, the illustration they gave was of a, of a uh, husband and wife who were fighting and constantly fighting. And, and the husband was um, working on the car in the cold, and his wife had been uh, talking to him about this car, and why shouldn't you just take that to the mechanic? You don't know what you're doing. You don't have the, you know, uh, and then and, and she had been convicted by her, her nasty spirit towards her husband. And so, so um, he, he had, because of that and because of a lot of things, they had developed a really toxic relationship with each other. And so he was underneath the car, and he was um, really kind of fuming because he wasn't making as much progress as he wanted. And he was out in the cold garage in the wintertime up north, and he was frustrated, and he was angry, and he was mad, and he, you know, he was thinking all the bad things. And he heard his wife come outside, and he knew she was going to be just chewing him out again. And he, he pulled out from under the car, fully ready, bar full bar you know, both barrels loaded, ready to just blow her up for whatever she was going to say. didn't matter. He was ready to go. And she had a cup of hot cocoa. And she said, I, I thought you'd be cold out here, so I brought you something warm to drink. And this guy's testimony was he just melted. And he immediately confessed. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've been so nasty to you. And they reconciled right then and there. The, you know, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The best example of this is Jesus. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, think about what that means, sinners rebelling against God, hating God, cursing God. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He more than, he more than loved us, He died for us. You know, so as we think about dealing with people who are not kind to us, um, think about these things you know, bless them. Avoid jealousy and avoid anger towards them. Uh, live with love in your heart. Live with humility. Live with peace. Be kind to people. And I think uh, God is honored by that. Any questions or comments before we close it, close it down? Yeah, Jenna? Oh, yeah, Proverbs 15.1, right? Is that 15.1? I think a soft answer turns away wrath. So true. So true. Jenna? Yep. first response is like, that's not fair. And, um, or someone gets a candy at church and someone else right. and, and it relieves the pressure as a parent. I don't have to make everything equal. My job right. is to parent the attitude. So, so, yeah, so like uh, kids out with me and we're doing something and we stop by and we get an ice cream cone or something and they come home, uh, the other kids see that they got an ice cream cone and they rejoice with those who rejoice, right? Aren't they, aren't they just so thrilled that their brother or their sister got to have ice cream and they, that they got to enjoy that treat? Isn't that something that, no, of course not. How, how come I don't get an ice cream cone, right? We do the same thing in different ways. Mm. advice is you 
was. That's correct. It's, that is so true. Let me say what she's just said in case you didn't hear, and then we'll wrap it up. That there's a there's a culture right now, a real big push among people that if there are quote unquote toxic people in your life, you just cut them out. You say, I can't have this negativity in my life. I can't have these toxic people in my life because they're dragging me down or whatever the case is. Um, and the Bible, it, does, it doesn't give us that direction at all. It says that we're to love them who hate us, not to cut them out. And so there, I, I know, we know people who like have cut out so many people in their life that now they're lonely. They have no one. They have basically, when they run into conflict, instead of dealing with conflict the right way, by the way, next week we'll start talking about dealing with conflict the right way. Rather than dealing with conflict the right way, they say, I just won't, I won't deal with you at all anymore. We're over. Because that, that, put, that does is they put all of the burden of, of the conflict on the other person. They say, I'm not responsible for anything. You're the to- it's your toxins that make my life miserable. If I cut you out, then I'll be free of you and I'll be free of trouble. You see, that's so, it's so wrong. It's so unbiblical. According to this passage, we're to love them. You love by giving. Good thing God didn't cut us out. God didn't cut us toxic people out. He loves us, and he cares about us, and he sent us on to die for us. So let's close in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for this uh, passage of Scripture that points us to how we're to treat each other, even those who hate us and those who curse us, those who persecute us. I pray we would have humility, and we would love, and we would love and, and show kindness as you 